ran out of time. Y'all was not listening fast enough last week. <clears throat> so uh, we kind of rushed through. We kind of rushed through a part that I wanted to kind of hunker down and, and deal with a little bit. Uh, and I, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to go and leave that without talking about it some more. So tonight's probably going to be short. Say amen. Now, I'm not sure if that was because you don't want it to be short or that was disbelief, whichever. You only got one page, people. Look in front of you. Amen. All right, who needs a lesson? Who needs a lesson? Who needs a lesson? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. We got them going around. Y'all got lessons up there? I can't see. You got it good? Okay, all right. All right. Over here, we need a lesson over here. Who's on, who's on this side over here? Who's delivering? Help, help, help us over here. Who's got the Who's got the lessons on this side? Hey, Johnny, you're gonna have to tighten up, son. You got like five people got the hands raised over here, and you slowed and turtle. All right, I think we got two more back here, Tim. You see them back there? All right, there we go. All right, now does everybody have a lesson? Say Amen. All right, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, the, word, the word we want to focus on tonight is the word pressing. Pressing. Say that with me. He said, I press toward the mark. All right, so that's what, that's what we want to talk about today. So let's go back. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 13. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Brethren, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. You can break those down, and we probably will tonight if we have time to do it. But he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. How many of y'all know what you do is important for God? It's a high calling. It is a high calling. And, and Paul is saying here, I don't want anybody to think that I feel like I am where I want to be. He was probably further along than anybody in this building or anywhere else as far as what he has accomplished with God and what he has done for God, what God has done through him. But he says, I'm not where I want to be. And, that, and the lesson we need to take from that is this. Never get complacent with your spiritual life. The moment you stop growing, you start dying. Everybody in here, you, you need to get this. You need to understand this. I, 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 don't, know that, I don't know that even I got it as, as good as I need to get it on this part. But we are swimming against the tide. We are swimming against the current of culture. We are swimming against the current of society and, and, and the wickedness all around us. And the moment you stop swimming, you go the other direction. And what Paul is saying here, he says, I'm, I, I, it's, it's never enough. It's never enough. I'm never satisfied. Not to the point he's not satisfied with what God has given him or God has provided for him or God has done for him. He's not ever satisfied with where he is with God. He always wants to be closer. He always wants to do more. He said, I'm not yet apprehended. Somebody say amen. He says, I want to do this one thing, forgetting those things which are behind. And that's where we have a problem. That's where a lot of us get frustrated because... We have a past that's there. We have a past that the devil reminds us of. We have a past sometimes that the critics remind us of, the enemies remind us of. But he said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. He said, I, I want to reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy today. Lord, thank you so much for the times that I have needed you just today. Multiple times. Lord, I stood in, 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 in dire need of your touch and your presence, and you were there. And you did not let me down. Well, Lord, one more time. One more time today, I pray that you'll give me what I stand in need of. Not for my sake, but for those who that are here.
God, as we, we study together and we work together and we do everything we can to strive together to be what you'd called us to be, God, I praise you and I thank you for your blessings and your mercy. God, give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> here's what I want to here's what I want to do. <clears throat> last week, last week we kind of got into this illustration and, and we run out of time and we didn't really we didn't really get to focus on what we wanted to focus on and, 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 and we just rushed through it, but we're gonna we're gonna slow down and talk about it a little more. I gave you a new outline this week. If you if you want to take your old outline out. And, uh, and, and look at it. We're going to be in the last point of your old outline. And uh, uh, all right. Uh, going to focus a lot more on the point pressing. Uh, if, if we're going to go forward with God, we are going to have to learn to press. If we're going to get over our past, we're going to have to learn to press. If we're going to accomplish anything for God... We're going to have to learn to press. I talked to, I talked to a pastor today and a pastor's wife today uh, who, who seemed to be very discouraged because uh, ministry, ministry is, 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 is really sometimes very disappointing. Uh, people are sometimes very disappointing. Uh, people can, uh, and church people, church people can be the meanest people there's ever been. Uh, sometimes church people can be a whole lot rougher than the, than the bar people because the bar people will be mad at you today and they'll drink a drink with you next week. But church people, they'll, ha- they'll hold a grudge for years and generations and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes when you're working with people, it doesn't matter whether it's a church. It could be at the grocery store. You could be a, a waitress. Uh, I, I, you, you talk to some of the waitresses and you'll find out that uh, the, the worst, the worst, uh, the worst day of the week to be a waitress is Sunday. And boy, that's terrible. Isn't, it? isn't that a terrible statement of, of God's people? That's, it just shouldn't be that way. But you know, sometimes it's frustrating and, 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 and sometimes, sometimes you, don't wanna, you just don't want to do it no more. You just don't want you, you get to a point and you say, what's the use? What's the use? You say, what's the point, preacher? There's going to come a place in your life whether you're in the house of God or whether you're in the ministry or whether you're just where, where you are in your daily life, that you're going to have to learn how to press. You're going to have to learn how to press. Paul's ministry, if you go through his life and you go through his ministry and you, you, you study through the book of Acts and, and the different books that he, uh, uh, he wrote for us to see his life, you'll find out that his life was not easy. The beginning of his ministry, the beginning of his salvation, he lost everything. He was a very wealthy man. He was a very great man. He was a powerful man. And he lost everything. When he followed Christ, he lost everything. Obviously, we've studied that here in the book of Philippians, and he said, I count it all but dung. But either way, he lost everything. Now, you can count whatever you want to count, but when you lose everything, that can be devastating. I need a witness. He's shipwrecked. Many times they took rods and they beat, they beat Paul. And many times they laid lashes on his back. The, the, the time with Paul and Silas in the prison, and, and you know they beat him for no reason and threw him in the threw him in the bottom of the prison. So Paul's life was not a romantic tale. Paul's ministry was a difficult, difficult thing to endure and to go through. He was stoned. I mean, stoned to death. Some believe, some scholars believe that he actually died. And that is when God took him to the third heaven and showed him everything and brought him back and, and let him, uh, you know, come back to life. Either way, he was left for dead stone. They threw rocks at him till he couldn't move no more, till he was in an unconscious state and they thought he was dead and walked away. And, and yet, Paul said, I'm pressing. I'm pressing. Now, I know so far in my study tonight, it sounds depressing. But you're going to have to learn that sometimes... We're going to have to press on. And sometimes, sometimes, let me say this before we go on, sometimes you're going to have to learn to press on by yourself. Because everybody's not always going to go with you. Everybody's not always going to be for you. There's going to be sometimes people are going to be against you. But listen, 
press on. What do we need to know about pressing tonight? Last week, <clears throat> last week, how many of y'all was here last week? Raise your hand if you was here last week. All right, how many of y'all remember what we talked about with the, with the chairs, all right? This is the goal. This is, this is uh, the mark. Y'all remember that? The mark. I press toward the, the mark. That is our goal. That is our, that is our purpose. That is our destiny. That is what God has called us to do. What Paul is saying, he says, I've got a calling. I've got a mission. I've got a responsibility. I've got something that God has called me to do. I've got something that God has put me here on this earth to do. He has designed me for it. He's created me for it. He's gifted me for it. I have a calling. I have a purpose. It's my mark. It's my mark. It's my, it's my goal. Now, he says, but with that mark, with that mark, we know... He also, he also had a pass. Now, how many of y'all in here has had a pass? Amen. Every one of us. I don't care who you are. We all have a pass. And sometimes, sometimes, just like the nation of Israel, the devil will try to use your past against you. The devil will try to use your past to keep you from pressing toward the mark. Now, when Israel left Egypt, Y'all remember what happened? God called him out. God said, I'm going to send you to a land of milk and honey. I'm going to take you to a place where you have not dug the wells, but you're going to drink out of them. You have not built the houses, but you're going to live in them. You have not built the vineyards and planted the vineyards, but you're going to pick out of them. I'm taking you to the promised land. That's the mark. And they come out of Egypt, and guess what was right behind them? Pharaoh. Basically, their past. Now, I promise you, a past is a difficult thing. But this is what Paul says. Now, y'all remember, y'all remember who Paul was. Now, I don't want to, have to rehash all this stuff, but you got to remember who Paul was. He killed people. He crucified the church. He terrorized the church. Uh, uh, he wreaked havoc in the church. You, now, I, I, hate to, I hate to say it this way, but this may be able to open our minds to what we're really talking about today. How many of y'all have seen, uh, you know, in the last few months and in, 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 in this past, what ISIS has done to Christians? Guess what? That's Paul. By Paul's own admission, that's what he was doing. But he did it in ignorance. And God saved him. Isn't that great? God comes to him. He's on the Damascus Road. And he goes and God saves him. God changes him. God puts him and places him in a place of service. But even if you're saved, even if you're born again, even if you're walking with God, guess what you still have? Say it with me. A past. So, we got to do something about that. We got to do something about that. Over there, let, let, let's, let's, let's rehash, all right? Over there, that is our, our mark or our purpose, our, our destiny, our, our, our goal, whatever it is that God has called us, our calling, you know, whatever word you want to use there. Right here is our, our past, okay? Now, we all, <clears throat> we all want to move from here to there. That's the goal. That's the plan. He says, forgetting... Those things which are, and, and by the way, guys, know this, they are. Amen, Brother Sam? Your past is behind you. No matter how much the devil wants to bring it up in front of you, it will always be behind you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody ought to shout right there. Thank God our past is behind us. Thank God our failures are behind us. Thank God our, 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 our misgoings and our, everything that we have done and failed with the blood of Christ, the red blood of Christ has washed our black sin white as snow. Say amen. Now, there's something we have to do. Jesus did his part. God has done his part. But there's something we have to do. We cannot stay in close proximity to our past if we're ever going to keep it behind us, if we're ever going to forget it. Y'all remember what I said last week. We want to sit here 
and, and, and we want to sit here, and, 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 and we don't want to press, but we want God to take our past. We want the, the effects of our past. We want the influence of our past to quit controlling us and to quit having power over us. And we say, oh, God, help me to get over my past. And we don't never press. You will never, you will never forget the things that are behind until you learn to press forward. What does it mean to press? Principles in pressing. That's what I want to do. I want to focus more on that one word tonight than any of them. Pressing. What does it mean to press? What does it take? What does it take to press? First, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. First, there has to be a finding. There has to be a finding. Write that down in your notes. A finding. You know what? You say, preacher, what do we have to find? We have to find our, come on everybody, our mark or our, our purpose. Say that with me. Let's use the word purpose. Let's use the word purpose, all right? That's our path. We'll keep it alliterated. That'll make it easier to remember. This is our purpose. That is our path. Say it with me. This is our? That is our? All right. So if we're ever going to get over our? We need to find out what our? Are y'all with me? There's got to be a finding out. Do you realize? Look in your notes. Look in your notes. I want to read a verse. Uh, look, look here in verse number Colossians. Colossians chapter number 1. <clears throat> It's in the, about the mid part of your, your notes there. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 9. If you there, say amen. For this cause, now, now Paul is talking to the people at Colossae, and they, they heard that they had received Christ. They heard that they had put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are saved, uh, they are born again. He's excited about it. He's celebrating it with them. Now watch what he says. This is the most interesting thing. He said, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it. Heard what? Their salvation. Heard that they had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch what he prays for. We do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now think how significant that is. The moment that Paul heard about their salvation. The moment that Paul heard that they had placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the very moment that he heard that they were now in the kingdom of God, they were now the children of God, they were now believers and fellow citizens of the saints, he said, the very moment I heard about your salvation, I begin to pray immediately that you would find the will of God for your life. Now, if Paul, the prince of preachers, if you will, one of the greatest Christians that's ever walked, thought the most important thing you could ever learn in your life right after you get saved is God's perfect will for your life. How much should we? First thing. First thing. Now, think about this. Paul knows something about this. He knows, I'm never going to get over my past. I'm never going to get past my past. I'm never going to be able to put my past behind me till I find out what is God's will for my life. And there are Christians today that are floundering. There are Christians today that are just kind of going around in circles. There's Christians today that are in churches all over America and they don't understand why they're so frustrated all the time. They don't understand why they have no victory in the Lord. They have no understanding of why that their past keeps haunting them and keeping them and pulling them back down and having so much control over them. And the reason is, is they've never made an attempt to find the will of God for their life. They've never tried to seek and discern what God has planned for their life. And here they are just wallowing around in their past when God says you need to put that behind you. Find what I want you to do. Get busy doing it. Somebody say amen. Amen. we got to find our purpose. If we're ever going to press. And you say, well, why do you have to do that to press? Let me ask you something. What are you going to press to if you don't know what your purpose is? You have to have some sense of direction. 
People come to my office all the time, and I use those crazy illustrations all the time, and it works for everything. I mean, it's like a universal, it's a universal illustration that works for marriage. It works for whatever. It doesn't matter what you come to my office for. It works. Everything. It's like my dad's cure for everything. A whooping. If you had bad grades, if you had a bad attitude, if you had this or that, it doesn't matter. He didn't have like a range of stuff. He had one thing and one thing only, and it fixed all things. Did anybody have a dad like that? And I'll be honest with you, it worked. My point is this. When people come to my office, I'll say, this is what I, here's one of the questions I'm going to ask you. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? And usually the husband say, I want to go home. That's where I want to go. I don't even want to be here. She made me come. No. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to take this marriage? Ten years from now, where do you want this marriage to be? Ten years from now, where do you want your life to be? You're here because you have issues, you got, you got problems, or what? what, 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 what do you, where do you want to be? And, and it's amazing how many people only understand the fact that I don't like where I am, but they've never considered, I need to think about where I'm going. And they'll say, oh, I, I just thought about how miserable I am where I'm at. I just don't want to be miserable anymore. I've never put any thought that I need to be somewhere else. And I say, if you can tell me, if you can tell me where you're going, then I can help you get there. You see, and I'll put an imaginary map on the wall. Let's say your destiny or where you want to be is Houston, Texas. Well, guess what? I can get a map, I can get a Garmin, and I can get you there. But if you don't, if you don't know your destination... I don't care what counselor you go to. I don't care what book you read. I don't care what conference you go to. You'll never get past your past till you learn where you're going. Learning what your gift is. You cannot be a disciple. Luke 14, what does he say? Unless a man will deny himself, take up his cross, I've explained this before. Y'all remember? The cross you have to bear is not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your children. It's not your arthritis. Oh, this is just the cross I have to bear. No. Jesus is saying, His cross. He said, For this cause came I into this world. For this reason was I born. You know what Jesus is saying? He said, I did heal blinded eyes, but that's not why I was born. I did walk on the water, but that's not necessarily why I was born. I did raise the dead, but that's not really why I was born. He said, why was he born? The same reason John gave on the river bank of Jordan. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. How does the lamb take away the sins? By dying on an old rugged cross. And Jesus told the one in interrogating him, he said, for this cause came I into the world. For this reason was I born. I am here for the cross. Calvary is my destiny. Calvary is my purpose. I was born to die. And Jesus says, if you're not willing to deny yourself, Take up your cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. And we got to find this. It's not, you say, well, preachers, it's just important for preachers to know God's will. No, it's not. It's important for every child of God. Paul is not speaking to preachers. Paul is not speaking to missionaries. Paul is speaking to everyday common church folk. And he said, the first thing that I prayed for you is that you would find the will of God for your life. Let me read a little bit more. 
Watch, watch, watch. It's really not the message, but it, it'll go with it. That ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now watch. Then he gives a reason why that's so important. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord under all... Okay, all right, I, I lost a balcony and I lost a quarter of the ones down on the floor. Come on, people. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord under all... You know what that means? You can't please God unless you know His will for your life. Being... Being... You want to be fruitful? You want to be productive in your life? You want to look back and see that you've accomplished something for the glory of God? You can't do it out of His will. You've got to find it. You've got to know it. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this. Okay, how? How? Because that's what I'd be thinking. I'm not going to do you like most preachers did me when I was growing up. They tell you how low down and sorry you was and leave you in the fibers of the carpet and then leave you that way and say, in Jesus' name, let us go home. No, no. If you're going to tell me I'm sorry, you better tell me how to fix it. Amen? Now, if we're going to say we need to find God's will, how do we do that? How do we do that? Write this down. Here's your subs. Write this down. A. A. And this may be the hardest part about the whole deal. There has to be a complete surrender. Look in Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> it's, it's in your notes if you don't want to look it up, but if you want to look it up, that's fine. Romans chapter 12. Paul is he's speaking to another set of brethren. And uh, he says, I, what's the next word? Everybody say that. Now, 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 now change that word to this word I beg you I beg you just write it above it just write it above it in your notes that way you can remember this is so important to Paul he's literally begging them I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God by the mercy in other words in other words he said don't do this for me do this for the one that had mercy on you and didn't send you to hell. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every day. How many of y'all glad of that? How many of y'all need them new every day? He says, I, I beg you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Uh, everybody knows what a sacrifice is. I mean, you have this picture of, of, of this guy, uh, this Israelite, walking up to this big stone altar and, uh, and laying this lamb that has, has died. You know, the lamb gave his life. The, there was a complete surrender. He gave it up. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Get this. God doesn't want you to die for him. God wants you to live for him. Now, now, in order to do that, we got to die to us. I, I, I was, I was, uh, well, it's been a long day, guy. I, I was coming back, I was coming back from Chattanooga early this morning or late this, I don't know, sometime today I come back. <clears throat> and, uh, and a phrase went through my mind. I was thinking about this. If, 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 if the very first step to finding the will of God is complete surrender, then this is the phrase that went through my head. I, I don't know why stuff happens to me. Y'all know squirrel, you know, that stuff. It just, it. You're never going to know. You're never going to know God's will for your life if you're thinking about doing it. Let that sink in a minute. Think about it. You'll never know the will of God for your life if you're thinking about doing it. 
Have y'all got it yet? Let me, let me, let me, let me throw Dave Ramsey on you. How many of y'all know who I'm talking about, Dave Ramsey? Sell the car, man, you know. If you've ever listened to Dave Ramsey uh, or heard any of his, his training and, and stuff, he's, he's, he's a financial guy, <clears throat> really, really gifted. God has gifted him like crazy. And, uh, and, he, and he's, he's speaking to people that's hurting. He's speaking to people usually that's broke, that's usually in debt like crazy. And he's teaching people how to get out of debt. He's teaching people really not necessarily how to get out of debt, but how to become financially stable and financially secure. And getting out of debt is part of that process. And this is what he said about getting out of debt. I've never forgotten this. Because he uses a he uses a illustration of a of a of a gazelle and a cheetah. And he uses the Bible verse in the Bible that talks about how and, and he illustrates like out in Africa. That, that 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 here here's these gazelles they're out there grazing in in the in the safari and 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 and, and all of a sudden this cheetah sneaks up on them and 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 then one of the gazelles radar goes off and he sticks his head up and he said cheetah <laughs> now if you've ever heard Dave Ramsey that's exactly how he does it right there and he says, all of a sudden, the gazelles go 15 different directions. They're going this way and that way and wide open and running wide open. Like their life depended on it. And he says, every person that's ever going to get out of debt, he says, they've got to run from the cheetah like the gazelle's life depends on it. And this is what he says. He said, anybody that's ever come to me to get help to get out of debt, and they say it like this. Well, I've been thinking about kind of thinking about maybe trying to uh, work toward maybe uh, sooner or later maybe getting out of debt. He said they'll never make it. He says, but that old boy that comes, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care how many children I got to sell. I don't care how many jobs I got to get. Bless God, I'm getting out of debt. I don't care what it takes, I'm going to get out of debt. He says, that person will get out of debt. He says, the person, so you see, finances is not, it's not as much knowledge as it is attitude. He says, when you finally get an attitude, that's what gets you out of debt. You say, what does that have anything to do with us? If you're sitting around God saying, you know, God, if you might maybe think about showing me something about your will, I may, I may do it. Guess what God's going to show you? Seek, and ye shall find. You say, all of us want to do, we want to sit on the couch and wait for God to drop it on our heads. But it don't work that way. So many times in my life that God has worked through me. And then me being frustrated so many times when the problem was not that he, he, wasn't, he didn't want to show me his will. The problem was I wasn't completely surrendered to do it. And why should God show me something that he knows I'm not going to do anyway? You see... So quit blaming God and, and say, God, you, you know, you're not showing me nothing. And it might be that you may have not laid your life on the altar. It may be that you might still have some stuff in your back pocket that, God, I'll give you this much of my life, but don't mess with this. This is mine, and I'm going to hold it. But uh, whatever I got left, God is, not, God is not a leftover God. So if we're ever going to press, we've got to find. And if we're ever going to find... There's got to be complete surrender. There's got to be complete surrender. I beg you. I beg you, he says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is complete surrender. Complete surrender. It's kind of like the, the chicken and the pig providing breakfast for the farmer. You know, uh, 
chicken has a sacrifice, but the hog has a complete surrender. Say amen. Where are you at with God? There's got to be, you appreciate that, don't you, Brother Sam? Amen. Say it with me. A, there must be a. Come on, guys. Y'all, I know y'all hate that word, but it's, it, it's what it takes. Amen? I, it's just what it takes. There must be a. All right, number two. Write this down. If we're ever going to know God's will, if we're ever going to discern God's will, <clears throat> there has to be, and this, this, is, this is big, too. There has to be a changed mentality. A changed mentality. <clears throat> He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your. Say that again. Isn't that amazing that complete surrender is not even above and beyond the call of duty? It's just reasonable. You know, you know what Paul is saying? It's just a reasonable thing to do after Jesus died on the cross. It's just a reasonable thing to do after Jesus took our place. But then watch what it says. And be not, everybody say it, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. What's got to be renewed? Your mind. Because your mind controls everything. Your mind controls your actions. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why, that's why Jesus said something about thinking about adultery in your, in your head. Even if you didn't touch her, you, you, you're fixing to. Because it starts in the thought before it goes to the action. You see that? what that means? And now watch. Be not conformed. Be not conformed. The word conformed there means to be pressed into a mold. To be pressed into a mold. Have you ever seen, you know, like in a factory or something, they have a mold. They have this form of what they want it to be. And then they'll take a, they'll take a material. They'll take maybe plastic or they, they may take something. And then they'll, and they'll put that and they'll press that. They, they, they've even done that with metal, you know, making pots and pans. And that. But they'll take a, they'll take a, 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 a form... They'll take an image, if you will, and press it into that material to form whatever it is that they're wanting. And, and basically, it is a changing. Oh, this is good. This is a changing from outside pressure. Say that with me. It's a changing from outside. Now watch this. When you leave this building, I give you truth. I give you sound doctrine. I give you God's word. I give you what God says. And immediately, when you leave these doors, you go into a wicked society. You go into a wicked environment. You turn a TV on that pumps in wicked stuff to mold you into the way of the world, into the way the world thinks, into the way the world operates. Are y'all? Does this make sense? Every day of your life, you have to fight being pressured into the way of the world and the thinking of the world. Your children go to a school that they are trying to pressure them into thinking that evolution is right. They're trying to pressure them into thinking that you came from a gorilla. They're trying to pressure you into thinking the gay lifestyle is okay. They're trying to pressure you into thinking it's okay for men to go into women's bathroom. I need an amen right there. We're constantly under pressure. But God says, be not conformed to this world. The only way we can keep from being conformed to the pressure of the world and the influences of the world is to have our mind transformed into thinking the way God thinks and to having God thoughts. And that is getting God's Word in our heart, in our head, and in our mind. Outside. See, see, the world's... The world's mode of operation is outside pressure. But God's, oh, this is great. This ain't even in the notes, but this is helping me. <clears throat> the world wants to conform you, but God wants to transform you. Now, the word, 
Transform is the word metamorphio, where we get our word metamorphosis, where, y'all know, y'all done been to school, a cocoon, oh, ugly caterpillar, goes into a cocoon, and he comes out a pretty butterfly. Now, what happens? <laughs> Transforming is not from pressure on the outside. It's from a changing on the inside. And you may, you may, you may tell you what legalist churches and fundamentalist churches and a lot of churches in America have done. We've tried to shortcut the process. And we've tried to do God's work the world's way. And we've tried to put laws and legislation down and say you got to look like this and you got to dress like this and you got to act like this and you got to talk like this and you got to walk like this and you got to speak white. You got to do all this stuff and we apply pressure when God says work from the inside out. Work on the heart. Give them my word. Give them truth. Give them doctrine. And what happens is, is that word goes to work. That word is sharper than any two-edged sword. That word is quick and powerful. And that word will start transforming you from the inside out. And I guarantee you this, if you start transforming on the inside, it'll start affecting your outside. And here's what happens. We try, to, we try to pressure people from the outside in this church, and then, and then that preacher leaves, and then the next preacher has a different set of opinions and a different set of preferences, and he tries to pressure into his, and, and you got psychedelic people that don't know what they are. But if you focus on the Word, the Word never changes. And you know what? How many of y'all realize it's hard to keep people conformed? I, I, none of y'all are even here. Y'all are just part of the s surroundings. I'm preaching to me tonight. Did y'all hear about the preacher that quit pastoring and went to the funeral director business? You know what he said? He said, bless God, now when I straighten them up, they stay straight. Amen. <laughs> Some days I can relate. That's funny, I don't care who you are. Some of y'all need to laugh. Some of need to poke you right in your elbow. Amen. You know what we do? We get frustrated because we keep trying to get people to do right. But we're trying to pressure instead of transform. See, if I don't transform my way of thinking, <clears throat> I got I to I gotta change. Brother Sam, I got to change. See, see, if I can ever think about my past like God thinks about it, it won't have no power over me anymore. You know what? You, you gotta you, you gotta transform the way you think about people. Oh, it's gonna get tight here in a minute. I have to take off my jacket. How many y'all? How many y'all? Be honest. People irritate you. Come on now, be honest with me. You know what? God says, I want you to look at him like I do. I want you to look past their faults and see their potential. You'll never do that till you transform your mind. Hey, we need, to, we need to change the way we think about our sin. How fast would we run from temptation if we started thinking about our sin like God does? We need a renewed mind. If we renew our mind, that'll sure help us understand 
our purpose. We can't, we can't trust Christ and put our faith in Christ. What time? Oh, I'm good time. Amen. We can't trust Christ <clears throat> and keep thinking in the old ways. Our mentality's got to change. Our way of thinking's got to change. It's got to be more. How, how many of y'all, maybe, maybe you can relate to this. How many of y'all know that it seems like the closer you get to God, the more sin bothers you? I mean, let's be honest. I, I, y'all got the most transparent preacher there is. You know, they sometimes, when I'm not real, real close to God, stuff just don't bother me like it needs to. But, boy, when I start getting real close to God and spending a lot of time in His presence, my, my spirit gets very sensitive to any kind of sin. And, boy, I tell you, it just it bothers me to a point. I need, oh, man, I need to, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk like that, right? I need, are y'all with me? And guess what that does? The more, the more sensitive you become to the sin around you and your own sin, then, then the further away from it you're going to want to be. And boy, if we could ever hate our sin like we hate everybody else's, wouldn't that be something? Write this down. <clears throat> There's got to be a complete surrender. There's got to be, what I say? A. I, I didn't hear you. <coughs> That's right. <coughs> be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You say, what, is that, 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 what, that, what does that have to do with the will of God? Watch this, the next verse, next part of that verse. That ye may prove. Write this word under there somewhere around so you can know this. word prove there means discern discern that ye may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. You can discern it so, it so it'll stand out. Oh, that's what God wants me to do. All right, write this down. See, write this down. <clears throat> There's got to be a constant, <clears throat> a constant seeking. A constant seeking. Now, I took that, <clears throat> I took that from, uh, let me see. Let me quote it. Uh, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the next three words? Everybody say it. Come on, everybody. Say it loud. Okay, what's the, what, say the first two. Say it again. Say it again. So who's responsible for it? The will of God is yours to seek, that ye may prove, that ye may discern. It's something that we need to be constantly seeking, constantly seeking. Y'all heard me tell, this, tell the story of uh, the missionaries that were going to Tibet, and, and, and he, he told me, you know, I asked him what his goals were in life. He said, I don't have any. I thought, well, that's Sorry. Here I am, 24, and he's 70. Done, done more for Jesus than I probably will in a lifetime. And I did, it didn't, I'm like, you don't have no goals. What? That's what he said. he said. He said, son, every day of my life I wake up and I ask God, what do you want me to do today? And I said, and then what? I mean, he's got me right there, you know. And you know what he said? Then I do it. I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> How much drama would be removed from our life if we didn't worry about next week, we just worried about in the morning? And focused on doing what he said tomorrow. You know what's funny? Uh... Let's just use this. Let's say, let's say mine's pastoring. Mine's pastoring, preaching, pastoring, exhorting, whatever y'all think I do around here. This is this is this is mine. That's that's like a that's like a big thing. You know, when, when we think the will of God, this big destiny. You know, all right. This is what we're wanting God to show us, right? Right. We're pressing toward the mark. Come on, people, get with me. We're running out of time. 
All right? Purpose, okay? And here we are. We wake up in the morning, and, and we're wanting God to show us our big thing, our big purpose, our big destiny. And, 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 and the first will for your life is for you to be nice to your spouse. I'm not even going to look to see who that was. Amen. I'm going to just, right there. Why do, why, you, remember the, you remember the phrase that Jesus gave, if you're faithful in the, you'll be faithful in the, but if you're not faithful in the, you won't be faithful in the. So why do we think God's going to show us that we're preachers or, or we're exhorters or missionaries or that big thing that we're trying to get God to show us when we won't even read our Bible? Or we won't even be kind to our children or we won't even, you know, them small things? Maybe, just maybe, if we would start getting up every morning and say, okay, God, now I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not even going to worry about that over there. I'm going to just try to do what I'm supposed to do today, Lord. If you'll see that I'm faithful with that. We'll never finish this outline, so I'm going to go ahead and say, say this part. <laughs> you know, I don't even know why I keep coming back to this place. <laughs> when, I resigned, when I resigned Long Branch, where I was pastoring in South Carolina, I, the first two weeks, it was like heaven. Because no more pressure. No more worrying about who was mad at you or who'd you make mad this time or who'd you forget to visit or whose people you didn't, you know. So it was like, whew, thank God, man. About two weeks. Will, about two weeks. I went to Victory. <clears throat> I went to Victory, where I went to Bible college, and, you know, it's kind of, that's got a good launching point. And uh, I remember going to church. You remember the first two weeks was heaven. It was great. Thank God that's over with. And not the preaching part. Not the the the, the ministry. Just just dealing with the And man, I remember going to church and Tim, I remember you know how when you know the part at Victory, they'd always have like a, a quartet or something sing right before the preaching. Choir does their thing, then here comes the soloist or the quartet or whatever. You know it's fixing to be preaching time. <clears throat> Boy, I remember sitting there, and I know it's fixing to be preaching time. And boy, I, I, I just... My little foot start patting, and, and I'd start just, and I'd start feeling it. And if you if you got it, if you got the it, you want to preach, especially when the preaching is good. And 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 then you want to do it, especially when the preaching is bad. But you're sitting here, and boy, I remember, I remember going and being so miserable because there was something in me. It's like the prophet said, "I, I was gonna, I was just gonna shut up." 
I wasn't going to prophesy no more. These stinking sorry people. I ain't preaching no more. What's the use? It's in the Bible, I promise you. I'm giving you my version, but that's what he said. He said, but there was a fire shut up in my bones. He said, I could not stay. Boy, those times, I, there's times I just, I would sit in that church service and I'd, I just, I just shake because I knew that there was something in me. There was a calling in me. There was something that God had put on the inside of me that I needed to be doing that. I need to be somewhere. And I'll be honest with you, between Long Branch Baptist Church and Temple Baptist Church was the worst days of my life. I don't even remember how many weeks... <clears throat> I don't even remember how many months. But I just knew I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. Man, I was miserable. I was miserable. Dr. Brown took me on a trip to Sutton, West Virginia. He was preaching in a tent in Sutton, West Virginia. And I thought he liked my company, but he wanted me to drive. <clears throat> me and Jonathan McNeese and a couple others. And I remember him taking us after the meeting. And he gathered us around in a little huddle. And he put his hand on my neck, and he put the other hand on Jonathan's neck, and he prayed for us. And he said, Lord, let the will of God be so wonderful that it's worth the wait. I'll never forget it, ever, it the rest of my life. We got in a van coming back. I said, preacher, I'm miserable. And he said, son, if you can't learn to be happy where you are, you'll never learn to be happy where he's going to take you. And I, I know y'all probably not going to get this because I'm not real good at getting this stuff out like I want to get it out. It's in my head good. I'm just not getting it out good. I got along with God. And I said, God, if you want me to be a Sunday school teacher the rest of my life, I'll pull up to this property at Victory Baptist Church in North Augusta, South Carolina, and I'll be the best, best Sunday school teacher that's ever been in this parking lot. A Sunday school class had opened up, and they wanted me to teach, so I was teaching, filling in. I was loving it. They was loving me. And I said, after that, I said, well, I guess this is what God wants me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And they said, would you take it? Because I, I just, you know, I said, that Sunday, I said, okay, I'll take it. They called me from here the week after. And they said, uh, would you come over? And, and really, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in, you know, waiting mode over there and thinking maybe God wants me to be a missionary and all this kind of stuff. But I done resolved, Lord, until you tell me something, until you show me, I'm whatever. I come over here and fill in. And I go back the next Sunday. We have a big cookout to celebrate my being their new teacher. <laughs> God is my witness. This is Dole Barry's house. You ask him. He was going to school at that time. The following Sunday, I was back here, and I ain't never been back. <clears throat> They've got the FBI looking for me. They don't know where I am. <clears throat> now, I know you're saying, what was all that about? Until I said, God, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. 
And I'm telling you, if you can ever get to the place where you can tell God whatever, it'll be the greatest day of your life because it takes all the pressure away. And then God can do what he wants to do. And I don't know if y'all can tell, but it's pretty good. Complete surrender. Change mentality. There's got to be a constant seeking. Every day. Listen, guys, as we're, as we're being obedient to the little things, and God sees us being obedient to the little things, God will show us the big things. But don't expect God to show you the big thing if you can't find your Bible. Hey, I don't care if you read one verse a day. It's like Becca told me when talking about running. She's doing that, whatever you call that thing, where you get off the couch and run. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, yeah. Y'all know what I meant. Man, y'all are terrible tonight. You know what she told me? I said, well, you ain't very fast. She said, Dad, I'm lapping you on the couch. I don't care if you read one verse. That's more than what people that's not reading. Do the little things. And maybe God just may see you're serious and he'll show you the big things. And we'll talk about the rest next week. All right? Thank you, Lord, for your help. Thank you for your...